Hello, and welcome back to the Brothers Book Club podcast. We have another book review episode for you today. Joining me on the other end, let's just do, let's get your introduction in there right away, Amanda. I feel like I always delay. Amanda's (laughs) joining me. Co-host Amanda is here. Hello. Hey. We got another book review today in the Penguin Little Black Classics collection. That is, if you're a first-time listener, a collection of 80 pieces of world literature, some translated. Today's will definitely be translated because I've never taken a Latin class and know very little Latin, if any at all. And so Penguin put this assembly together, and we've been ranking, not ranking really, but reviewing each piece. Today is episode... Gosh, 69. Man, we're really in the final stretch. It only goes up to 80, folks. So we're nearing the end of the Penguin Little Black Classic set. Today we have a Roman poet, Catullus, which is the pronunciation we agreed upon, and a collection of his poetry called I Hate and I Love. That is what Penguin has gathered for us. We have read these poems for you, and we will now review them in short order. Let's begin with the basic questions. This is a new segment that we've kind of started just to give you listeners a little more background about the person and the work before we jump in. We understand that if you're listening to this, it's unlikely you've read any Catullus. Maybe you have, but we'll start with a couple simple questions. Uh, Amanda, first one for you. Who is this person? Uh, His name is Gaius Valerius Catullus. um, Sure. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's a, a late Roman poet. So he make he mentions um, Britannia and stuff like that, which means that it was in the later mm-hmm. parts, later times for the, the Roman empire. And um, instead of writing the epic poetry that uh, we might associate with that time, he wrote more of like personal poetry, which was kind of unique for that time. Yeah. 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 And he, of course he was upper class. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it seems like his life was dedicated to, at the arts, you know, and being a writer. So it mm-hmm. seems, and he mentions like traveling to estates and things. So it does seem like he was in a, the wealthy class of Roman citizens or whatever. Yeah. But he wasn't an older brother. He was, I think he had an older brother. So he wasn't the, okay. the heir to all the land and everything. Gotcha. Oh, okay. I mean, he probably spent a lot of his time just chasing around this married woman that we'll talk about shortly, (laughs) (laughs) who is the focus of many of his poems. What is this collection made of? It's about 50 or so poems. Generally speaking, and this comes from Wikipedia, also known as our research department, but they're generally split into kind of three categories. Either he's in love or deeply out of love. He kind of has these scorned hateful sort of love poems at times also some just about him being in love there are also some though that are just a friend addressed to friends almost like a correspondence would be where he just sort of gives brief reflections to his friends about their lives and then there is another style that he has not many in here though fit this but he also wrote poetry inspired by myths and legends which at the time you know homer's kind of was a model of writing and you you base it on i think virgil was the other big i think virgil was roman right i think Both so the yeah. well anyway the, the big style of writing would have been to do big epic poems very long con- compositions about heroes and battles and myths and that kind of stuff and he wrote kind of referencing some of that but that wasn't i wouldn't say that was his number one mode especially in this collection this is mostly the in love or out of love poetry so that's what penguin has given us here why do we reckon, Amanda, that he is important? Uh, neither of us had encountered him, I don't think, before this collection. Nope. Yeah, why Why do you think Penguin included him then? Uh, well, it said in our research department that um, he influenced other writers, including Ovid and Virgil. 
um, and that oh, his good. poetry yeah. is actually used um, in some Latin classes still today because um, obviously for translation purposes, but also because like the, the poetry itself, like I guess the, they, they enjoy the, the, the topics, the themes that he chooses sometimes. Yeah. And I think this is where both of our public educations are showing because I never had to do Latin class. I never had to translate Latin, mm-hmm. but apparently his poems make for very rich topics of translation or for some reason that he, yeah, he's still used and he's considered like a master poet of the time period. Yeah. And I, I think too, because his style is so different and so personal, Penguin calls it modern, like shockingly modern, modern on the back of the cover, which I would agree with actually. Yeah. I think that's probably why it translates so well because mm-hmm. it doesn't feel stiff and formal. It feels quite personable, relatable, kind of yeah. how we think of poetry, I think for the most part today. And so, yeah, I could see why it shows up, but again, never took Latin myself. So can't speak to that. Oh, you did. Oh, okay. Yeah, I took I didn't two years even... of it. Oh, okay. Did they offer that at public school? Yeah. Um, I took it oh, one year when I was up in Maine and then one year um, here in, in Charlotte. Fascinating. I think some of the public school kids I've encountered here, there might be one or two schools that offer it. It's pretty rare though, I will yeah. say. Mostly you get it at the private schools, especially some of the religious ones still yeah. teach it or use it. <laughs> yeah. Well, with those basic questions asked and answered, let's dive into our official review, very scientific process here. (laughs) We'll begin with our one-sentence simile reviews. I'll start us off this week. I can't remember who went last week, so I'll I'll jump in this week and go first. Yeah. I wrote that, oh, I have two. I think I'm going to go with the second one. Reading this is like watching the scenes in The Office, the sitcom NBC show, Mm -hmm. when Michael, the main character, the boss character, anytime he's heartbroken or falling into love, which... I feel like a lot of the plot lines on that show involve him either being in love or falling out of love or breaking up or what have you. This reminded me of his general kind of tone and demeanor, just the extremity of it. I think, I don't think Catullus is being as funny. There are a couple humorous poems. I know you're going to bring those up too. I know you made notes on those, but I didn't find it maybe quite as laugh out loud funny as maybe that show can be, but just the passion of it did feel at times equal to Michael Scott's in the absurdity of it or the certainly the intensity of it. So mm-hmm. I think reading it was kind of like seeing a Roman version of that. I think that's a great comparison because in the love poetry, is he's either just obsessively in love or he's just yeah. like, I hate you so yeah. much. <laughs> You're the worst. No middle ground. <laughs> Yep. All about the same person, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it, he really doesn't seem to have a middle ground at all here. It's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the quotes will expose this, I think, but yeah, it's it's one or the other for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think and that's how a great about for comparison. you? What do you think reading this was like? Um, I said reading this is like watching a National Lampoon movie because you know he, they did movies like um, uh, what's the one with Ryan Reynolds and. Uh, you're asking the wrong guy. These movies never connected with me. I, it, the funny thing is that I know like the the really culturally touchstone famous ones, but mm-hmm. I've you know I've seen them all once and just thought they were fine. Like I've seen Vacation. Yep, Vacation with Va- Chevy Chase. Vacation. European Vacation. Vacation, yeah. and then there's Van Wilder, which is the one with Ryan Reynolds. Oh, see, I oh okay, I didn't even know that was a National Lampoon branded movie. Yeah. Oh, okay, I know that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he like never graduates college. Right. 
Yeah, yeah. gotcha. <laughs> um, but so the reason for that being that there's, you know, lots of jokes and lots of like sexual innuendo. Um, and then there's a character who is often silly and extreme, but can be very serious to uh, specifically. Oh, okay. Specifically about usually love. Right. So in a lot of these National Lampoon movies, they're very serious about their relationships, but everything else is just like ridiculous. Oh, I suppose that heart actually does poke through in the couple that I know. The vi- mm-hmm. I know the the Christmas time one and then the one of the vacations or two of those. And yeah, his in those movies, his relationship with his wife is kind of serious. They, yeah. they make a point of bringing up their love and their and their lasting bond or love and that they are like tender to each other or whatever i feel like mm-hmm. those movies do actually hit on that that's yeah that's a man my mind would not have went to those movies um <laughs> though i could see why it did even including with some of the vulgarity and some of the humor it, it does weirdly match in some in some spots yeah. hopefully the the quotes will bear that out then i mean as we jump here to the connection section and try and make this relevant for a 2020 listener or reader i mean i already said mine i think the office and that character michael scott who at this point in the u.s of a in 2020 is just a cultural like icon character whether you love or hate that show it's almost impossible not to know him i think yeah. it's or very close to impossible and so I think that's just such an obvious connection. Seeing him go through his throes of love and and hate, it feels extremely similar here. It's unpredictable. He's got this childlike approach and this like wonderment to it at times where he just can't seem to believe that he's in such deep love. And so the the extremity of it feels like the most obvious connection to me. How about for you? I said um, anything or anyone who likes to poke fun at people. So I thought immediately hmm. of like, modern day comics stand-up comics a lot of the time where Hmm. some things that they say can seem a bit almost vulgar but it's still funny yeah yeah i would even say seem i mean it depends on the comedians you follow right but i think generally speaking comedians talk about love life sex pretty frequently i would say Mm -hmm. i i will say that's a great connection if only because it will remind me so when i post these episodes little production note for you listeners out there i'm sure you'll just skip this part or fast forward to the next minute when i post (laughs) these though the thing that we host on asks if it needs to be marked as explicit or not and i do genuinely try and mark it only if it was explicit only if we swore you know more than once in the episode or something which Mm -hmm. I'm sure I've missed a few and I'm sure I've misclicked a few. None will be easier than this one that I'm like, no matter what we end up talking about here, there's going to be some kind of sexual innuendo or sexual discussion that happens just because of how clear and explicit he is in some of the poetry, which we'll get to momentarily. And so, yeah, it's, that's actually a pretty apt comparison because again, in terms of being explicit, I, (laughs) this episode's the easiest one. I don't have to listen to any of it to know what's, what's going to be said. (laughs) Some of the jokes and puns in here will speak for themselves, I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, let's move into quotes then. Why Why would we dare tantalize the people without giving them a payoff here, Amanda? Let's not leave them waiting, uh, metaphorically, literally, whatever. Mm-hmm. And let's jump to the quotes for clarification. This is the part of the review when we like to do a little bit of a deep dive and give some quotes to give a sense of the style and the tone and the author's writing. Uh, why don't you start us off this week? Cause I think we chose them from different poems, I believe. But we did. Yeah. 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 Go ahead and get us started with a quote you enjoyed. Um, sure. So these poems are pretty short, so I just figured I would like, yeah. read the poem. <laughs> you could. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Why not? 
because uh, what I wanted to point out with, with in with this particular poem was just how um, the sexual innuendo actually played out, which was surprising for me because I thought that it would be this stuffy like mythology type uh, poetry that mm-hmm. I would have to read. Um, so I was expecting something more along the lines of like almost Victorian era mm-hmm. poetry. Yeah, yeah. So I was kind of like, oh my gosh. But then when I read it, I was like, whoa <laughs> yeah yeah it's pretty fun pretty light too yeah. for the most part yeah well i i will say though that um i originally read it on project gutenberg which mm-hmm. the person wrote it to match the uh the original like rhyme and meter and stuff like that okay which means that he he and he wrote during the victorian era which means that he used that yeah the thou like Oh my gosh. But then I went online and just typed in, okay, so I, I think I like this poem. So I typed it in and I found like a modern translation. I was like, oh my God, this is so much better. <laughs> we love, we've said it before on this, in this series, Penguin Little Black Classic series. We love those fresh updated translations. We do yeah, love them. For real. It made, what was that play in the last set that we reviewed and looked back over that I liked and you didn't as much? Not Electra. Antigone. Oh, shoot. Antigone. There we go. Yeah. The, I think my translation helped immensely there (laughs) so any any updated new work we are grateful for mine felt extremely modern extremely up to date in terms of its writing so anyway yeah yeah, start us off with your quote what do you have um this one is uh poem number six um and they are all numbered by the way listener you can just go google the number that they're all just numbered so. so number six it says uh i think it's pronounced flavius or flavius Either way. (laughs) Unless she were unpretty and inelegant, you would want to speak of your darling to to Cotillus, and you wouldn't be able to keep quiet. But you love some feverish harlot. You are ashamed to admit this, for your bed shouts that you, vainly quiet, do not lie for empty nights fragrant with garlands and Syrian ointment, and the bolster equally worn away on this side and that, and the creaking and movement of your shaking bed. There's no point in being quiet about your debauchery. Why? You would not reveal such tired, uh, such tired from debauchery flanks, oh, unless you were mm. up to something silly. Therefore, tell us what you have, whether it's good or bad. I want to describe you and your love to the sky in my nice little verse. So I thought that was kind of funny because it, it goes to a couple of themes here uh, that you pointed out in like how his poems are broken up. So he's got like three kind of categories, the love category, the friendship category, and the what was the other one? Uh, kind of the like the mythology. epics. Yeah, yeah, like mythology-based, epic-based ones. Yeah, so this one was the friendship and kind of uh, sexual um, theme where yeah. he, he's poking fun at his friend. He's like, dude, I yeah. obviously your sheets are all messed up. Your pillow is obviously like it's all messed up and your bed smells really nice. Like you've been maybe rolling around in some perfume, but you're not telling me about who this lady is. Is she like that terrible? Is she ugly? Is she <laughs> like yeah. all these things? And he's like, just tell me because I want to make fun of you in my poem. Like, yeah. I, yeah. Let me put it out for the world to know. Let yeah, me exactly. please. Let me publish this. This is, uh, I guess our equivalent would be, let me tweet this. Yeah. <laughs> Can I please tweet about this and make it public? Exactly. So I thought that it was 
that was a really funny poem to me because first of all, I thought that the, uh, the references to like his sexual exploits, just pointing out like all the evidence <laughs> that he's had sex and, yeah. and also yeah. saying, I just want to poke fun at you. Just tell me how ugly she is. Who is she? <laughs> I don't think I heard in your translation. I was trying to compare as you were reading cause it was pretty different. Did oh. in yours, does he, does Catullus call it a sex parade? That's what mine says. No, but I love that. Yeah. Mine says, <laughs> it says, there's a ceaseless jolting and straining of the framework, he means of his bed. Yeah. And then he says, and the shaky accompaniment to your sex parade. I love so, that. I'm yeah, going to that. <laughs> he's really been quite busy. Yeah, a lot of people coming and going. <laughs> uh, some staying for longer than others, I believe. Um <laughs> So no, great. it's 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 one of the more playful ones, only to be contrasted by mine. Why don't I throw mine in next? Don't read psychologically too much into this, listeners, but I did pull quotes only from clearly breakup poetry. So sorry, but <laughs> the the quotes when he was furious and in in he in his own rage were I found more interesting. This one I pulled from uh, poem eight. I'm just going to read part of it. It's hard though because the structure is what made it really interesting to me. And it's kind of like the the line breaks and some of the ways that this translation uses them. It really intrigued me in this collection. Just the, the I don't know, physical shape of the poems I found intriguing. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of work done with that. I, who knows how, how much that's honoring the original poems. But in this one, there's a couple lines that read, Bright days shone on both of you. Now, and that's like a hard split now, like to a new stanza. And, he, and it also shifts all the way across the page when he says that. So it grabs mm-hmm. attention. He says, bright days shone on both of you. Now a woman is unwilling. Follow suit, weak as you are. No chasing of mirages, no fall in love. A clean break, hard against the past. Not again, Lesbia, no more. Catullus is clear, he won't miss you. Those three little fragments at the end are also, they kind of look like stairs. They're kind of like drop down, but then they're, they're it's like they're moving forward, you know, but they're, and they're little fragment sentences, which is a nice contrast against all the other ones, which split kind of in the middle. He also puts clean break in a, in a new line. And I know explaining this on, in an audio format is largely pointless, but I'm going to try anyway. Yeah. The The reason I like that part is just because, again, I think it's using break and it's using sort of the enjambment of certain lines and the, the flow. That just means like when you break off a line and continue it on the next one, or when you break off a sentence or thought and continue it on the next one with no you know, punctuation or anything. It just makes for compelling reading and stopping and pausing. And I think it, it would emphasize the kind of, I'll be honest, I didn't really read any of these out loud. I know we advocate that on this and you should. Um, but I think if you were to read these out loud, it would directly affect how you would approach the lines. So I just thought it was really well done. I think it, you know, thematically, I don't know if the, the clean break, getting a literal break is the most intricate thing ever done, but it really worked for me. And I thought, again, it just felt very fresh and modern and was decisions structurally that I thought were really good. That's, yeah. you know, the simplest way I could put it. I'm not sure if your translation, you were feeling that or not. I didn't, the translations that I pulled um, didn't do anything with like the form or anything like that, which is oh, weird okay. because the Project Gutenberg one specifically talked about how he tried to stay true to like meter and stuff like that. But Oh yeah. Yeah. There's no, like the form of it. It just, mm -mm. (laughs) there's, there's two, four, six, seven stanzas. Okay. Stanzas don't have any kind of actual like format to them. Yeah. And mine are kind of 
jumping across the page. Yeah, I mine find is that a nineteen. More interesting though. Yeah, I, my, I think I would enjoy your reading a lot more. Yeah, it's a nineteen sixty six translation by Peter Wigham or Wigham. So at any rate, in case the listeners are curious about how to find that version, but yeah, well. I think I think some of the lines there would work anyway, but divorce from the form, I don't, I don't know if it's nearly as interesting or intriguing, but yeah, I really enjoyed that. Hmm. Shame that yours didn't come across, but you know, it's some of those lines are still okay on their own as, as a form of breakup poetry, sort of <laughs> motivating himself. Any other quotes from you, Amanda? Do you have another one lined up? Is it also is it a silly one? <laughs> is um, it a funny one? I have other silly ones that I absolutely loved. Um, it's up to you, whatever you liked. <laughs> but uh, I thought that I would pull um, from one of his in love poems. Um, okay. Just because uh, I wanted to point out, like I enjoyed for me, my favorite parts were the the funny ones just because I, I felt like it was just so refreshing and really funny and just modern. And then the love poems, they were okay, but it was like, meh, I mean, it's a love poem. Um, yeah. They're not, terrible they're not to me especially like stand out kind of um but that just i think is also a a personal preference for me i like poetry that's kind of like okay. weird and stuff yeah um, yeah so i chose the poem uh number seven and it, he is still in love with lesbia <laughs> and yeah, the whole thing is about her well for the most part and it, most of the in love out of love ones are about one woman mm -hmm. uh, wikipedia the research department has thoughts on who that person may have been historically but mm -hmm. it's clear she's married i mean that comes up in the poems yeah and yeah. He, it's not to him <laughs> to be clear like other lovers possibly yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um so i just wanted to read like the the first half of it really quickly um sure. You ask my lesbia, how many of your kisses are enough and more than enough for me? As big a number as the Libyan grains of sand that lie at Silphium producing Cyrene between the oracle of sultry Jupiter and the sacred tomb of old Battus, or as many stars that see the secret love affairs of men when the night is silent. So, and then he goes on to say, like, all those kisses then would possibly be enough from you. Um, so it was kind of sweet, but also... Uh, I saw the references to like Jupiter and stuff like that. So that showed a bit more of like the time period um, and mm -hmm. kind of bled into that other. So it's the love poetry plus some of the mythology aspect there. Um, but again, like even though that part was like interesting to me and I thought that it was a cute poem, it was a nice poem. It wasn't something that I would necessarily like recommend somebody like go i wouldn't go out of my way yeah. to be like, you should read his love poetry how does like, that poem end for you how does it end yeah uh, so many kisses are enough and more than enough for mad catalysts to kiss you these kisses which neither the inquisitive are able to count nor an evil tongue bewitch huh mine is very different at the end and i think it because how are you reading the ending of that like he's so in love that it can't it can't even be understood or what is the, what was the final yeah, line again? Evil tongue like, bewitch. Yeah. That no evil tongue can be witch. So it's like our love is so pure and your kisses are so pure that nothing bad could like. Yeah. Let me read you the final line of mine grammatically. It uh, mentions. Yeah. the Okay. And this is, um, so like you're a uh, Catullus deer. So many kisses, I believe that no prying eye can keep the count 
nor spiteful tongue fix their total in a fatal formula. Hmm. Which I guess it still is the tongue, like nor spiteful tongue. But I, I was reading that as like give up the like, like infidelity is going on or something. Like they would know exactly how many times we've we've met romantically and we've had sex or we've had these encounters or something. I just felt it was kind of a weirdly paranoid ending and kind of harsh. It was mm-hmm. sort of added a bit of doom to it <laughs> in a weird way. Anyway, I was just curious because I marked that poem as like one of the odd ones, you know, kind of in tone, like yeah. a really weird change in tone at the end. Yeah. The So the Project Gutenberg one, um, the last few lines say, uh, even so many of the kisses I to kiss the count wild lover enough to charm to tire me. These no curious eye can wholly number tongue of jealousy never bewitch nor harm them. Yeah, tongue so it's like jealousy. I think it's like gossip, and yeah, and, yeah, and that uh, curious eyes of people who might witness us. So I agree with that. But nothing can harm our relationship is what I still kind of get from the end there. Yeah, fascinating. Okay, yeah. Well, we're we're uncovering. In, live on the pod we did not <laughs> planned on doing a lot of cross comparison or whatever what have you cross comparison analysis mm-hmm. but no i think that's these translations are all quite different yeah revealing different things to me but i suppose that the gutenberg one reads a lot in the same tone to me though right. yeah much much different but okay let me throw out another quote of mine then um this one and again comes from a poem when i believe he's Fairly upset. This is poem 11 for you at home paying attention. I'm just going to pick out some quotes here when he, well, this is the one where he mentions the Britons too in Caesar. Mm -hmm. He says in the middle of this poem, whatever fate has in store for me, equally ready for anything, I send Lesbia this valediction, succinctly discourteous. Live with your 300 lovers, open your legs to them all simultaneously, lovelessly dragging the guts out of each of them each time you do it blind to the love that I had for you once and that you are tart wantonly crushed as the passing plow plow blade slashes the flower at the field's edge. Nice. So when he gets vicious, it is, I mean, it's entertaining, but it is vulgar and quite vivid, pretty much, you know, I was going to say grotesque. I don't know if it's grotesque, but being slashed up or cut up by a plowing blade is pretty, you know, that imagery is, can't really be misread or confused or misconstrued yeah and the basically you're having sex with 300 people at the same time it just the whole it's just a real orgy of imagery speaking of orgy and it i don't know i found it quite intense almost like it's humorous because of the extremity of it but you know it's i don't know if all of that is uh, particularly that funny and i don't think he meant it to be so yeah. but his his passions are just really unbridled here. And I, it just struck me. I really, I'm sure I'll remember not the exact quote, but his general tone and tenor probably for a long time because of how deeply he was feeling it. I, yeah. When I read this poem, I was like, damn. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It really comes in. And that's one of the early ones since the, the penguin classics are in numbered order, which I don't even know if I would have done to be honest. I feel like they should have gone in love, out of love. And then I just feel like the organization here is very random. That's yeah. probably how he organized them, I guess. So like poem, you know, there's one in the back, I think like 86, he's in love with her again. And who knows, maybe they go chronologically or something, but yeah, that one I thought was a nice representation of his uh, switch flipping <laughs> and that he can be so descriptive when also not in love. Yeah. It, <laughs> 
the in my translation one of the translations that i pulled the modern one <laughs> the um it actually says embrace 300 of them at the same time she owns and keeps them truly loving none of them but repeatedly breaking the groins of all of them and i was like wow Ooh, <laughs> the guts that, that must be the guts for mine ripping yeah. the guts out of them yeah. taking the guts out yeah, but she's breaking the groins in my in my version. <laughs> I don't know if that's. I think that's impressive, though. I don't know. I mean, it's you know, she in, in the year, <laughs> in the year twenty twenty, I think we have a better understanding of the proper etiquette and ethics behind a submissive or dominant sexual relationship. If you need to go Google that, listeners, just you know, dive into that world. I guess look look up the the rules and regulations, but. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's. Uh, it sounds like she's bringing a certain amount of intensity anyway and strength. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just depends on what the other people are into, uh, you know. <laughs> if we have uh, enthusiastic consent from all parties, uh, let's see what's going on. Yeah, good job, lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who knows, man? What, I don't know. I don't know, lesbia. She can be what she's into, and that's fine. Consent, uh, you know. Let's just make sure we got right, it. Right. Um. Let's jump now to the other kind of deep dive part of our review, which is the literary corner. This is the educational segment when we attempt to teach you the listener something about the work of literature we read. I was going to pull your term also, but then it wasn't in either of my literary dictionaries, oh. which is why I did not. But I, we can go with yours. I think that works. The only reason I pulled mine, to be honest, is because I don't think we'll ever get a chance to talk about it ever again. <laughs> Mm, well, we could. We just have to pick <laughs> specifically. Well, I mean, in this, in the Penguin Classic set, is oh, what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. And it, we've definitely not covered this before, <laughs> and I don't know if we'll ever come back to it. I think that's great. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, we'll do. Okay, do mine. <laughs> All right, that's fine. Uh, I pulled erotica. This is this has a extremely long, about three page definition in the Penguin Literary Dictionary. So I just pulled little parts from the definition. Here we go. Broadly speaking, erotica is any material principally focused on human sexual relations. Today, the term also has a more precise use with a distinction frequently made between erotica and pornography. Erotica may sometimes be art, pornography never so, though that distinction is implicitly moral and probably overstated. And then this is jumping. Some of the earliest erotica are sexual manuals coming from many cultures, including from regions in China, what we would today call the Middle East and other places. Sorry, I said to burp. You're good. Jumping genres, erotic poetry has a long and venerable history. They explicitly call out this guy, uh, Catullus, in that section when they list off, you know, like 20 famous um, erotic poets. So it has a long history. The majority of erotic fiction today or now is being written online. A large proportion of this is fan fiction or fanfic, which typically explores the erotic possibilities between characters which appear in popular literature, television, and film, such as Star Trek or Harry Potter, which if you've heard people joking around about, that's fan fiction, or, you know, a lot of those jokes often come from, yeah, it's just the place where people make the characters have sex with each other. That's like the, that's kind of the joke around that sub- I don't know. I was going to call it a sub community of like literary fans. I just a community of literary fans. It's a pretty commonplace practice, especially with really big franchises like they mentioned. Yeah. And so at any rate, I, this clearly slots into erotica at times. I think our understanding or my understanding of it 
it's not very mechanical though. And again, it's not a sex manual, which I thought was a good distinction brought up because like the Kama Sutra, which is probably the most famous sexual document in human history, maybe, I don't know. One of the most referenced yeah, is a, it's a manual. It also has like principles of life and values and moral stuff in it too. But so it's certainly not that because it's not a manual, but it's definitely explicitly concerned with their sex life and love life. And so, yeah, it was, I guess it's erotic poetry. Uh, when you were reading it, did you find it to be, I don't know, I guess, what was your reaction? I'm assuming that you like me don't read a lot of erotica unless you do. And, you want to talk about it now on the pod? <laughs> I have a confession. No. Um, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> no. I read uh, one page of that and I was like, this is trash. Um, <laughs> it's quite awful. Yeah. I read a chapter or two from it. I had a friend or I was at a friend's years ago now. Ah, it's rough. Yeah. I'd, I mean, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I suppose it's what you're, it, this is why the pornography distinction I think is important. Right. I know it's got a moral th- value to it or whatever, but- I just think that is important because I get, it just depends on why you're reading it. I don't read literature to be titillated or to achieve orgasm, you know, like I just don't do that. And so, and that's where pornography kind of just becomes a really crude, blunt force instrument in a way right. where it's just, it's not even, I mean, that's the joke about porn too, is the stories are, you know, it's a pizza guy or I'm your plumber. It's like a joke. It's not even, it's why is this here basically? Right. And so- yeah, I don't know. There's definitely weird blurred lines. Again, I'm not sure what your reaction to reading this was. I didn't feel titillated by it. How about that? I also didn't. Like, I, f- I feel like with erotica s- specifically, it's like meant to uh, kind of get a rise out of you in that way, a sexual rise out of you. Yeah. And- uh, when I I think of it this way, so uh, with like fan fiction and stuff, it is not so much about the literature and the art of it, right? It's about just the the reaction to oh my gosh, um, Hermione and Harry are getting together. What, right? Um, right, right. Versus, let's say, um, fantasy or sci-fi, right? Where there's some sex scenes in those books a lot of the time, but that's not what it's about. It's just like kind of ancillary. And so that's kind of how I felt about reading Catalyst is that it wasn't necessarily that he was trying to like turn me on with his words. No. Yeah. But that it was just like he was expressing himself at, at, at that time. And that included maybe some sexual innuendo and stuff like that. If, if it had been more, I think explicit, um, where he's like, oh, and then like she broke his groin by doing this move or something <laughs> like maybe more right, so right. that way. But <laughs> and I don't know if anything this extreme, unless it was my own, per- like unless I was expressing something this way about my own love for someone. I don't know if a secondhand account in this type of language would ever. It, I think it's a fascinating document. It tells me a lot about him. And I think the writing is intriguing mm-hmm. and sort of has depth to it. But I, I just don't think it's going to draw a reaction out of me b- because of its intimacy and extremity for another person who I don't, you know, don't know. It's not my relationship. It, it feels weirdly, it's odd too, because I feel like I usually praise things that are hyper-specific when they achieve that also like, well, you're being so specific that it's universal. It's that, you know, really neat storytelling trick of you told me something so unique about you. It made a connection to me. And I I just don't know if this achieved that for me. So I, but it's definitely erotica. I mean, again, it's a celebration of their sex life. So, you know, unquestionably it's that, 
it also raises this question though. Do you think, can you remember a work of fiction? Cause this is the other weird thing I find about erotica is it's so dedicated to doing one thing, to describing sexual love and doing it well. Mm-hmm. But all the clips I've ever seen, I don't think it does that at all. It feels like the best passages about sexual love I've seen are in books where the majority is not about that. Right. And so it's kind of like a genre that's so dedicated to one thing and just continually fails at it. Now, again, that's why I find it fascinating. Also, I just did a huge generalization. I don't read much erotica. I, again, have seen paragraphs, passages, chapters from it. But it's almost like when you focus so desperately on one thing, you're just overdoing it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that uh, you're especially like with erotica it's the the main purpose i feel like is to have that ooh sensation right but in order mm-hmm. to get that i think that a lot of authors end up uh just throwing like any literary devices to to the wayside or just using cliched uh devices in order yeah. to just focus on that one aspect that they think is like the the core to erotica there's also this too, and granted, this might just get at my, I tend to like subversion of tropes, not always, but that's a thing I think, I, I think frankly, many 21st century consumers of any storytelling, we were in that age of irony, subversion, whatever, meta text, all that junk, but I generally like that. So if I went into an erotic novel, I mean, I know what everything's building to sexual tension and then sex. So it's kind of... I don't know. It, it, there's no other dynamic to the story. So I'm just left feeling this is really bland. Like mm-hmm. if I was reading 50 shades of gray, I don't know if the story is constructed in such a way to entice me into her like journalism career, which I'm right. pretty sure is how she meets him. I'm pretty sure I learned that in a trailer or something. She's like interviewing him for something newspaper writer or whatever. But, and so I don't know if the story is meant to have that dimension, if it's a critique of modern media or if it has some kind of, you know, conflict dynamic of woman in the workplace or person in modern media. What's like, I don't even think the narrative is even trying in any minute way to make that interesting to me. It's just like set dressing for this other thing. I don't know. I guess it just feels so blatant going into it. Like when I pick up a sci-fi novel off the shelf is there a good chance it's going to be a hero story? Yeah, that's there's a pretty good chance. But also, vastly at times, no. And also, it plays with so many different tropes, ideas, and times of, in science and fiction that I feel like it has a bit of that unexpected to it. I don't know. But I guess people like experiencing things they expect, too. I yeah. I don't know if we're, my point's going to end here. But that's I guess that's my coldness to it, in a way. I know that... Um online there are places where you can kind of like post your um erotica and they there are apparently like competitions and stuff like that and people will go and like vote on it and stuff and the ones that tend to win are the ones that actually have some of those literary elements to it rather than sure it's not the pizza man right yeah which again to me feels like pornography right they're like those are the jokes, cliche th- jokes we make about pornography. I, th- there's just a blurry line here. I g- kind of agree with them that it's about a moral issue in a way, where it's just kind of like, where do we draw the line on descriptiveness, basically? Obviously, right. pornography is the most descriptive it can ever be because it's explicit and shows the act. So it, you, you can't do more than that. That's right. it. That's it. So, yeah, I don't know. It, anyway, I'd, 
this conversation was way longer than I expected it to be that I enjoyed talking about it. I just, it's not a genre I really ever dive into. So yeah. it was very curious to read some of it and to see it laid out so clearly. Um, yeah. Any final thoughts on the, this as a work of erotica? No, I, I am curious though, that Star Trek has fanfic. <laughs> I mean, like they, I, well, the, there were the, a lot the, of sexual yeah. scenes in the show anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean the joke, I, you know, Harry Potter, it's kids, right? So they're not, they don't, it's not ever going to be pornography, but like they, they fall in love in that. They have kids. It, yeah. The epilogue yeah. is them having had kids. So it, you know, you can play with that as much as you want, take, to age them up, you know, make it appropriate and then go from there, I guess. But I, the joke is basically that, again, any big genre y thing or any big franchise will have fan fiction online. There's another joke that happens sometimes with popular video games, which is, because of 3D modeling and animation being accessible, the joke is like, well, you'll, kn- you'll know your video game is big if people make porn out of the characters. That's kind of an <laughs> ongoing just thing that happens if you just d- dive into parts of the internet is, are people making not fan fiction, but either art or porn videos with 3D models based on your characters? It's kind of a weird, I don't know, compliment or something. People are, care about your characters so much that they do that. So... Yeah, that whole fanfic or online erotica world with franchises is it's its own world, I guess, is the conclusion to say. It's very it has some depth to it. (laughs) Yeah, I had no idea that like for video games and stuff, people were making (laughs) like 3D models. That's that's so funny to me. I And and why hold back? I'll just say the really big one in the last three years. It's Overwatch, which is a shooting cooperative shooting game that features like really unique characters, some of whom aren't even human. Like some are robots and one's a talking monkey and or ape. And yeah, anyway, but no, if you, if you Google that overwatch porn, overwatch characters, whatever drawings video, like, Oh yeah. It, yep. That, that game like absolutely exploded with pornography okay. being made of the characters. What? <laughs> so I, and I'm not going to bother digging into which ones or why or the cultural, because there's some cultural stuff in there too, I think a little bit. Like one of the characters who's South Korean is like a child. She's like a teenager. But anyway, it, there's, there's like things you can really dig into, but you know, why would you just keep living <laughs> your life and be happy? <laughs> why know about any of these controversies anyway? And so, but no, that broadly speaking though, that, that does happen. And so, yeah, worth yeah. bringing up. Let's move on to the official review. At this point, we have utterly failed in our duties to review this book. <laughs> but if you're still listening, you deserve it. So let's get to the end here. We'd like to review in two parts. The first is the Russell French in Memoriam. So what's good about it segment? I will go first. I thought again that the form that this person translated into with the line breaks and jamments, which is just continued lines, it, it created a certain rhythm and kept me kind of off balance or thinking a lot and trying to discern and decode why some of the breaks are and it had impact at times. I just thought the structure was great. It never felt very rigid. Each one seemed a little different and had very playful yeah, choices made. I thought it was fantastic. I enjoyed that. How about you, Amanda? Uh, I said that I really enjoyed the humor um, and how modern the poems really felt for me. I unfortunately didn't get to see like the format that you did, but I think that I would have really even more so enjoyed the poetry if I had, but yeah, yeah I was really surprised by how modern um, I found a lot of these poems to be. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. Finally, we like to rate on a three part sort of scalar system, either. Yes. Read this, maybe read this 
or no, don't read this. Amanda, why don't you go first this week for the Cuddleless Poetry? What do you think? I think uh, maybe, but if you have the the black book instead of just like printing it off like I did, I think it would be a yes for me, actually. Um, yeah. Because like it would have added even more complexity to these poems that I was missing from my translations. Um, but even yeah, without yeah. the, you know, the enjambment and, and the way that the, the poems kind of made almost pictures like the concrete, almost format of them. I think that it was still really enjoyable for the most part. Um, even like the love poetry, like I said, it wasn't my favorite, but it was still, you know, nice. And, and, it wasn't terrible, the love poetry. And in fact, mm-hmm. the out of yeah. love poetry was oftentimes just as funny. And I think that it's, uh, there's some insights, especially into to Catalyst, where you do see uh, his personality and stuff like that and, and the extremities of his emotions, which he's an artist, of course. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And I just yeah. really enjoyed it overall. I mean, modern language, right? Make sure that you get a translation that is modern. <laughs> Right. Yeah, get an updated one, a new one. And if you enjoy humor in your poetry, then I think that this is a this is a yes. And if you don't, it's still funny. Go ahead and try it. So maybe. I'm going to contextualize my review within the poetry we have reviewed for this collection, the Penguin Little Black Classics. And in that, it is a yes. So I'm going to commit to the yes. I wasn't sure if I, what I was going to say, but I think, yes, anyone listening should read these or give some of them a read. Firstly, there's not that many, and you can find them for free online. There's, you know, a hundred or so poems. Read a couple, see what you think. But I just think the heartfelt tone of it and the personal, again, I don't think it made me reflect on times I've been in love or anything. So it didn't have that going for it. But it really is quite readable and the character of him pops. He just, his personality shows Mm -hmm. and the decisions he makes in his writing, the extremity of it and the kind of hyperbole underlying a lot of it. It just was fun reading. I don't know. It it felt like you're journeying along with him uh, through his highs and lows, et cetera. So yeah, I think it's a firm yes for me. I'm going to commit to that. I think, and especially within the context of the poetry we've encountered along this journey, this felt very refreshing and very modern to read. So I think it's an easy yes in that context. Go out and read this, folks. You won't uh, you won't regret it. And it might take only 15 minutes of your day. You'll probably see something that will surprise you and perhaps even shock you. Take take a break from your workday and read some erotica. That's the official review from us this week. <laughs> uh, who knew who knew we would take such turns? Uh, and don't Google any of the things I said earlier, please. Spare yourself and your family. Any final thoughts on the uh, Catullus today, Amanda, before we sign out? No, just, wow, what a what a fun conversation today. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. I'll have to promote this one in a very specific and very <laughs> careful way. <laughs> a very curated manner. Mm-hmm. Well, next week we've got coming up some parts or bits from the Odyssey, which is way too long as a f- complete text for us to read the whole thing of, but they clipped out two parts, so we'll read a bit of the Odyssey, probably one of the more famous texts that we've encountered along this journey so far. So look forward to that. And until that time, we will see you between the classics. 